Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. And I'm Albert. And coming up, we'll be speaking to Sonia Upal, who is an incredibly inspirational young woman about her project where she teaches kids in India with the Pi, all about coding. So stick around for that. But before that, let's go on with a bit of news. And the first bit of news is uh, Pi Wars, the next Pi Wars has been announced. It's a long way off though, isn't it? The 1st of April 2017. It is. They've pushed it out by a few months. Um, I find it entertaining that's the 1st of April being, you know, mm, April yeah. Fool's Day. <laughs> People are going to turn up and it's just uh, not going to have been organised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, I, I was reading that what they're doing is they're pushing it out because they want to try and get more schools involved. Um, and December is just too early in the new school year for schools to to kind of have started and done something, especially if the kids hadn't done any computing before. So um, the thought is by pushing it out to April, then it'll give the, the kids two terms in which to get their ideas together, get building, get it finalised before actually doing the um, the Pi Wars. So here's looking forward to seeing uh, more kids at, at Pi Wars next year. Yeah, yeah. So moving on, um, App Game Kit for Raspberry Pi is now free. And this is a bit of software for making games, isn't it? Yeah, it is. App Game Kit has been has been around for ages. So it's um if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um I believe it's kind of from the people that did Dark Basic. And what it is is it's a basic programming language, uh, as in beginners all purpose symbolic instruction code. Um where you write games. So it comes with all the libraries and all the, the abilities to write games, but it's multi-platform. So the version that's out there, other than the Pi version, once you've written your game, you can then create a, a file that'll work on an Android device or an iPhone or a PC or a HTML web version. And uh, a few months ago, they gave away three games. So I mentioned them before, the Maldita Castelia, which is kind of Ghost and Goblins, and the other two are They Need to be Fed and Super Crate Box. And those games um, were created using the app game kit. So if you haven't got those already, go back and see what's possible with this, because these are full professional, high quality games created with this software and you program it in basic. Well, recently they've released the actual development environment for the Raspberry Pi for free. Um, the only limitation I can see with the Pi version is that the code that you create will only compile down to a whatever a blob that'll work on the Raspberry Pi itself. But if you want to learn to create programs and write your own games in basic, then this is a really, really good place to start because the skills you learn on the Pi will absolutely transfer to creating games for mobile devices or PCs or for the web. So this is a, a fantastic announcement. And um, yeah, I, I my brother-in-law mentioned this to me and I haven't seen it listed anywhere else. So I thought it was well worth a mention on the show. Um, it also comes with some demo games built in. So even if you only want to play some some other games, give it a download and have a look around. Yeah, I remember I had an Amstrad when I was a kid. and It was a 10 print Hello World, 20 go to 10 and run. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that though, isn't it? It it definitely is a little bit more complicated. But again, this this basic programming system has been around for years and it's been developed to a point where they make it easy. So if you want to have touch control on a tablet version, then it's absolutely got it. So it's got all of that kind of stuff built in to make it easy for it to just work. And the Pi version, I ran it on the Pi 3, silky smooth. 
I was amazed at how well the actual uh, environment ran, as well as the final games themselves. So yeah, it's definitely worth a download if you're interested in making games or want to learn about more about programming. So speaking of touchscreens then, it's possible that Android might be coming to the Raspberry Pi 3 at some point soon, possibly, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right that it's a, a possibly, maybe, yeah, the, the internet was all a flurry there oh, ages ago at this stage, I think it was six or seven weeks ago, where somebody called uh, Thomas Joseph Avila, Avila um, opened up a, a, a repository on the Google source code for Android. Um, and I just checked it and nothing has been added since. So, you know, it's listed as a device that may get development for it, as in the Pi 3, but there's nothing in there. So it doesn't look like anything is happening soon. Um, I've tried to do a hunt around to see if there's any work being done. And all I can find is the announce, you know, the rumor mill around the announcement. So we're now part of that rumor mill as well. But it'd be great if it happened because I think the Pi 3 is now at the stage where it's powerful enough to run Android effectively. Um, so that would be fantastic because the builds we've seen of Android before have just been way too slow. So if if people at Google get involved with their insider knowledge on what it takes to make it run correctly, then fingers crossed we could have a full Android running at full speed on uh, Raspberry Pi 3. Yeah, and with the official touchscreen as well, it's, uh, it seems to be an absolutely ideal fit for it. And if you think about how many more people could be you know, lured into the Pi world through the promise of uh, a, a cheap Android device, and then maybe they can think about Raspbian and some of the other stuff you can do with it. So I think it'd be absolutely amazing if this did happen, but it's such a speculative proposition at this stage that, um, I don't know, fingers crossed, but let's just wait and see. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't be putting anything on the timeline yet, but I know I will be uh, looking back regularly at the um, the repo to see if anything does get added just in case. Yeah. And on related news, but not Raspberry Pi, the BBC Microbit uh, is now up for pre-order. And so there's finally a price for it in the UK is £13. So for people not in the UK, uh, the BBC, our, our national broadcaster, um, developed a small little single board called the Microbit. It's got a whole bunch of sensors and a, a whole bunch of capabilities built into it. And they're giving away a million of them to um, year seven. So that's first year of secondary school. Um, and that rollout is still happening at the moment. And there's always been the word that they would be for sale. And they were announced during the week that they'll be on sale and they'll cost £13. How do you feel about that price then, £13? It's sort of somewhere between a zero and uh, a full-blown Raspberry Pi 3, isn't it, in terms of price? Would you say it's about halfway in between in terms of features? Um, it's a different beast. I think £13 is exactly where it should be. I said anything less than 15 quid would be right um, because it's got Bluetooth built in. It's got the accelerometers. It's got a small 5x5 single color display built in. It's got other sensors and capabilities built in. It can be programmed wirelessly. There is a drag and drop block type environment similar to Scratch that it can be programmed with. It can be programmed with MicroPython. Um, there's a brilliant editor called Mew that I've seen where you literally, you can either write your code and upload it and then it runs on the device or you can actually run your code interactively. So as you type, it gets executed. So it has all of those capabilities built in. Um, so it's it's a different beast. It it can either be a, an attached device which you operate interactively, or it can be standalone. And it's it's much smaller, um, with all the sensors built in. It's it's kind of like 
a Raspberry Pi with a junior sense hat attached is what I would describe it as, but with the ability to be programmed over Bluetooth from a tablet. So, you know, a lot of schools, I know my kids' schools have gotten tablets for the kids uh, or for a classroom set for for use by the kids. Well, they could use a micro bit because they would just literally switch it on, connect to it, and it would be programmed programmable over Bluetooth from the tablet. No extra computers required. And there is, for those who want to mess about it, there is a um, a full interactive um, web interface for programming it as well that has got an emulator built in. So you can actually kind of do the Cody stuff without having to actually have a micro bit. So yeah, I'm, I'm in two minds personally whether I'll get one because I have enough tinker toys at the moment. Yeah. But I think for kids, it will be great. I think it genuinely will be great. It'll be very interesting to see after the first million go out and after the first flurry of early adopters buy them, whether it continues upwards or whether it levels off. Yeah, here's hoping that they can be um, used in conjunction with the Pi rather than instead of. I, I get the feeling that because it's it's very sort of specific in what it can do, the micro bit, whereas the Pi is much more general, it can do stuff a little bit like the micro bit, but then it can do loads of other stuff as well. So I, I can see them being kind of um, partners in, in the classroom and for tinkerers as well. And this, I've already seen people integrating them both together. So the more of them that get out there, I'm sure the more of that we'll see. Yeah, the main project I've seen has been using the micro bit as a controller for uh, flying an X-Wing in, in Minecraft on the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. That's, that's the main one that I've seen where they've worked together. And again, it's just it's Bluetooth serial. It's just information being sent over or USB connected. I can't remember which one it is, but it's just it's just straight serial community. You know, it's just here's your data, do something with it when it gets to the Pi. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And uh yeah, I, I'm I am interested in getting one, but I'm not too sure if I will, if you kind of know that yeah. mindset. <laughs> um, I know that you will, because you just can't resist a toy. <laughs> yeah, there's more toys coming. Oh, yeah, my Pi Top seed is going to be uh, arriving soon. They got the announcement that they're being shipped, so that's fantastic as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Ah, I look forward to hearing about it and, uh, and checking it out when uh, when we meet up next. Yeah, absolutely. So the last one then, the applications for Sky Academy 2016 are open. Yeah, this, I mean, Sky Academy to me is just the most inspirational thing. Imagine being in school and being told you can send a balloon up into the stratosphere and take all of your readings and all of your measurements and take photographs while up there and then have the pleasure of chasing it down to recover it to get all of your information off it. It sounds like the best treasure hunt in the whole wide world, you know? Yeah. And they, uh, I think it's the end of June that you have to apply by. So if you're interested in it, and I think it's UK based, if you're in the UK and you're interested in attending, definitely apply. Uh, the We'll link to the, the big message from the Pi Foundation all about it. Um, but it definitely looks very inspirational. And the people that we've spoken to who've been involved with it said the, you know, the engagement from the kids is fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, teachers that they're looking forward to apply for this. So uh, tinkerers like us, uh, unfortunately, can't take part unless we can help out in some way. But uh, I'd just be there learning. So, uh, oh, well, maybe, maybe another time. Maybe, maybe. Right, that'll do it for the news then. Let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by Sonia Upol, who is a She++ fellow and creator of the Pi a la Code project. So welcome, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, no problem. 
So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, so I'm a senior at Los Altos High School in California, which is about an hour from San Francisco. Um, I'm currently going to be graduating in two weeks, and I'm going to be attending UC Berkeley in the fall and studying computer science. Awesome. Uh, congratulations. Um, so how did you first become acquainted with the Raspberry Pi? Well, actually, I first saw the Raspberry Pi when I was at the Maker Fair. I don't know if you have actually heard of the Maker Fair. It's actually happening right now in San Mateo, California. Um, but I was wandering around the Maker Fair because my dad thought I would enjoy it, and I stumbled upon the booth. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, that you could have a computer that was that small do so much. So I bought one of them, and I took it home, and I started tinkering with it. Um, and as I worked with it a little bit more, I realized that if I had started learning computer science with something as cool as the Raspberry Pi, I might have stuck with it because I actually had my first computer science introduction when I was living in India in middle school, and I didn't like it at all. What were you doing in uh, in India? So my dad actually had a job transfer, so I lived in Bangalore, India from the middle of fifth grade to the beginning of eighth grade. And in sixth grade, we started learning computer science with QBasic and Logo, which um, are absolutely boring languages, were completely <laughs> unintuitive, and I did not enjoy them at all. And so I kind of decided that computer science was not the thing for me. And when I moved back to California in eighth grade, my middle school held an app design competition where we were split up into groups of three and given three weeks to design and build educational games. And so my team built one on the Civil War, and I was the lead designer of that project. And I kind of really enjoyed seeing how people would interact with our app and working with the new tools and seeing how we how we could create games and interfaces. And I realized that I really liked making the kind of technology that people could kind of learn learn with. And so I decided to teach myself computer science, and I got a little bit involved with Java and then Python when I found the Raspberry Pi. Wow, and with the uh, the move to UC Berkeley to do computer science, it looked like you got completely hooked to that point. Yeah, I'm really excited. The whole project, I think, has made me realize that, I mean, the stereotype of a computer scientist, like chugging Red Bull and coding in their basement at 3 a.m., doesn't really apply to me. And so I think that being able to apply computer science in a way that is more interesting to me, like teaching others, um, realized made me realize that this was the right field for me. You realize that you've pretty much just described Isaac there with the uh, coding <laughs> at 3 a.m. Except it's uh, in my living room at 3 a.m. chugging beer. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's, the, that's the real difference. So, <laughs> so I mentioned she++. What is that then? Right. So I was a She++ fellow my sophomore year. And so She++ is a Stanford-based program that takes 30 students every year into their fellowship. So you apply based on initiative you complete. So you basically create a project and you submit it in your application and then they choose the, th the 30 students that they think would be best for the program and they fly them out for me it was just a drive um, to Stanford and you stay there for three days and get to visit tech companies and meet mentors and other people in the field um, and through that project I was actually assigned a college mentor and his name was Will and when I was a sophomore he was a senior in mechanical engineering at Stanford and so as I was preparing to apply for this project, um, he gave me a lot of help on like how to go about doing this project. And I mean, it was kind of a big undertaking, like as a 
sophomore as a 15-year-old girl to decide that she wanted to teach computer science to kids in India, um, especially for someone like I did not have a lot of computer science background, whereas like other people might have been coding since they were like little children. I'd only been coding for a year. And so I was a little shaky about whether I could actually take this project on. And so he really helped me and all of Shoe Plus Plus really helped me because they gave me a lot of connections and a lot of people who believed in the project and believed that I could do it. And so it was just kind of like a confidence booster. And, and what specifically did you do over the three days? You're saying you visited companies. Was it tours or was it talks or, or what, what were you exposed to during that time? It was a combination of the two. So I remember we visited Google, we visited Facebook, and we had a series of talks at Facebook. We got to meet Sheryl Sandberg, which was super cool. Um, we ended off the three days with the She++ Gala. So we all of our initiatives, we got to make posters, and we put them around one of the halls in Microsoft, and people from the industry came around and asked us a little bit about our projects. And then we went to the Computer History Museum, where they had the last two Raspberry Pi Pi Academies. And we um, we had like a gallery walk and like a showcase, and there were a couple talks there. We got to take a class at Stanford on cryptography. We just kind of, we did a lot in those three days. We kind of went all over the place. It was pretty cool. So do you plan on doing more with She++ in the future? Well, I'm still in touch with some of the people in She++. They've had two galas since then, which I have attended. Um, but I don't think I'm going to... Um, well, since well, I'm not going to be attending Stanford next year, I'm going to be attending Berkeley. And so um, I don't think I'm going to be doing anything with She++ exactly, but hopefully I'm trying to find something similar at Berkeley. So you mentioned you had gone to India to help kids. Is this where Pa Alakode begins to take off? Right. So I, um, when I was living in India, I had the chance to visit parts of India that I probably wouldn't have seen if I was just visiting from California. And so I'd never really been to North India. And when I moved, I moved to South India. So I had the chance to kind of travel around the country. So I visited the North for the first time. Um, and I visited a place called Chandigarh, where I have a little bit of family. And I found out about a village called Kasali which is maybe four, no, maybe like two hours out of Chandigarh. And what I found about this village, which was like really interesting to me, was that the kids that were born there, typically you just studied there, worked there, and died there. You basically lived your entire life in the village, and there really was no movement, which for me was kind of shocking because, I mean, I had just come from like California, and I was in Bangalore, and then I was going back to California, and who knew who knew where I was going to end up in college? And so for me, it was kind of like you can explore and do whatever you want with your life. And for them, it was just like a very fixed system. And um, I found a school in Kasali, which is like a little village school, and it was called Saraswati Niketan. And they had computers there, actually. They had 10 monitors and computers, very chunky computers, that they used that they used to teach computers with computer science, but it wasn't really computer science because they weren't coding at all. All they knew how to do was power on a computer and like save a word document. And that was about it. Rename a file. That was about it. So when I came back to California and I stumbled upon the Raspberry Pi and I realized that I mean if I had, had if I had had the Raspberry Pi be my first introduction to computer science, it was just such a cool little thing. Um, I might not have just given up on it in sixth grade. 
And so I was wondering if there was some way I could take the Raspberry Pi back to India because I didn't like my computer science education there. And my initial thought was to take it back to the international school that I attended in Bangalore. Except the international school I attended in Bangalore, the students there definitely had the resources and the money to be able to get technology from the U.S. and the U.K. So I realized that it might not actually be the most beneficial way for me to spend my time. And so I decided that maybe taking it to a place that would never, ever get this opportunity to use this kind of technology would be, I mean, more impactful. And so I decided to take it, take the Raspberry Pi to rural India, specifically Kasali. That's how the program was born. I'm amazed simply because how, how old were you at the time? 15, 16? I was 15 at the time. So at age 15, you visited India and your thoughts were, do you know what? I'm going to make a difference to other people's lives rather than I'm just going to have fun. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued what made you think to do this? What, what inspired you to do this? Is this something you've seen before? Or is it something that you just thought, you know what, I can make a dis difference myself? Well, I'm actually really interested in community service. I've kind of been, I've done community service projects um, for a while now in, in seventh grade, I think that was seventh grade, when the Japanese earthquake and tsunami hit, and I was living in India at the time, um, I had a couple friends that were living in Japan, and they were telling me about it, and it just, it was just very shocking to me, and, and so I actually raised money for the earthquake and tsunami by walking around my gated community in India, and I, I, I'm very interested in like arts and crafts too. And so I had made a bunch of earrings. And so I kind of walked around my community and sold earrings um, to raise funds for the tsunami. And so in the end, I think I raised a little bit over $200 and I turned it into my school and I was the highest fundraiser for the earthquake and tsunami. So like, I've always really liked helping people and like, well, this, when I moved back to California, so I, I was, I grew up in Los Altos Hills, California, which is a decently affluential area. And so when I moved to Bangalore, India, I think is when I realized how much Los Altos Hills had given me, like they have clean air, they have green trees and there's space for animals and plants and Bangalore was just very congested and lots of pollution and there's always people around and I really like the peace and serenity of Los Altos Hills. And so when I moved back home in eighth grade, I got involved with the town of Los Altos Hills and became part of the Los Altos Hills Youth Commission, which um, was a group of 20 youth around the town that worked to create events for other youth in the town to meet because they go to different schools and then just give back to the town by working at all of the town events and just helping out at Earth Day or whenever necessary. And so I've kind of always been interested in like helping people whenever I can. And so when I first got a chance to use this technology and I wished I had gotten a different introduction, I thought that my best way of helping people, because um, that was like my first instinct, was to take it back to India. So in terms of the practicality then of getting the Raspberry Pis over to India and all the peripherals and stuff, that can't have been that easy, right? Um, well, I I used Skype to talk to the school, actually. And I think I called them four or five times to iron out logistics. And first, they were a little bit surprised that some 15-year-old girl wanted to bring computers to their school. Um, but for them, like, seeing someone from America was kind of a big deal for them. Like, even seeing someone from, like, a big city in India would have been a big deal because they're very, very rural village. 
Um, and so the fact that some girl from America had like a concrete plan of what she wanted to do, I think made it easier for me to contact the school and convince them that coming to India and teaching computer science was a good thing to know. Also, computer science has become a very popular field recently and become really big. And so I think it was, there wasn't too many roadblocks there. Um, peripherals wise, I raised money. I crowdfunded money for this project to raise money for the 10 pies and the cables and everything else, um, through gofundme.com, which wasn't too hard because, because of she plus plus, I had met a lot of people in industry and a lot of people in the field, um, at different tech companies like Cisco and Salesforce that supported my project and really wanted to see if they could help in some way. And so raising money wasn't that hard because I just networked a lot. And so it was easier for me to get this, I think it was around $600 that I needed for this project. Um, so the there weren't that many. I think the major hurdles that we had were the internet connectivity problems. So when I went to Bangalore, no, when I went to Kasali the summer after my sophomore year, we couldn't use two of the computers that I thought we could use because the school hadn't told me that we actually needed like a certain type of cable. And so I had bought, I think I'd bought like HDMI to VGA and they needed something else. And, and like, they hadn't told me that. And so when I got there, we like two of the computers we couldn't use. And so there were little problems like that. Like they weren't exactly sure like how to set up or how this was going to work, but they got ironed up pretty easily and internet like internet's probably been the biggest problem, like especially when I'm here and they're they're there and we're trying to establish um calls or like there are storms in Kasali and the internet's gone out or there's the power is not working. Like those have probably been the biggest problems. So are you still coordinating with these kids and maybe teaching them from you know, sending them curriculums from America while they're still in India? Are you able to do do that now? Yes, I am. Um, I, I went there the summer after my sophomore year and the summer after my junior year. Uh, and in between, I did teach them on Skype, and I'm still teaching them on Skype. This is a third class, though. So I've had different groups of students because uh, they were my age, and so they were going off to college as well, especially since after 10th, they go into, like, junior college, I think, in, like, 11th and 12th. Uh, and so this is my third class that I've taught in Kosali, but I also taught a class of fifth graders last summer in Los Altos, California, so close to home. So what exactly are you? Uh, is your curriculum made up of? What are, you, what are you teaching them? Right. So the curriculum starts off with the basics. Our first program, of course, is Hello World because that's the most basic you can start off with. And then we go through basically everything you can. So we went through print statements, integers, strings, all sorts of data types, um, variables, string formatting. Those are kind of the basics. And then if statements. So you're teaching them more programming. Are you teaching them just, hey, here's the ins and outs of the Raspberry Pi? Um, it was kind of a combination. I think it was more programming than it was the Raspberry Pi. But we spent the first couple of days going through, like, why the Raspberry Pi is such a great computer to use and why this project has been able to be made possible because of this kind of computer and how they could use it in their own lives and take it home and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then we watched, I was able to get internet, I think, for one day. And so then we went on the Raspberry Pi website and I just showed them how to use it and kind of surfed that. And then we made a couple games, but with coding itself because I really wanted to introduce them to the programming because that's if they got a feel for the programming then they could decide whether they wanted to work on that in college or just do something completely different. 
but they had never had the exposure to computer science. And so they weren't really able to make the decision about whether they liked computer programming or not um, until they'd had the exposure. And so that's what I wanted to give them. Uh, how long has a pile of code been uh, going on for? Well, since my sophomore year. So it's been three years now. And have you seen uh, any change or any, any, any of the kids that you've, you've thought kind of go, I want to do it rather than not being involved, if you know what I mean? Any bright sparks? Yeah. Some of the kids have been very interested in computer science and want to like explore it a little bit more in college, which was super exciting because they would have never done that before. Um, and so, yeah, there has been some interest in continuing to learn in the future. And is there any, uh, I'm just sort of thinking of the transference, is, is there any of them looking to help locally as well? Sort of, you know, it's, it's kind of, what's the phrase? Um, you know, you, you, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach him to fish, you feed him forever. Is there any, any sort of intention of some of those people to do what you've done and take it even further again into, you know, expand it into their community? Um, well, actually, some of the students that I taught, the older ones have been helping the younger ones to learn the subject because since I am not always around, I can't always help the new students. Um, and so the older ones have been helping with teaching them how to set up and teaching them how to use the pie. So they have been helping each other while I'm here. I love seeing that. I must admit, I, I love seeing when somebody who's a beginner gets to the point where they kind of feel confident enough to do the teaching or to lead the program. It's, it's kind of very rewarding to see that happen. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you about the kind of spread of this then. Um, have you documented it in a way that other people could kind of copy what you've done? I mean, it, yours sounds like a very good template for potentially all around India and indeed maybe all around the world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if you documented that, then people could probably, you know, follow what you've done. So that's actually what I'm working on right now. So I discovered that the state of Kerala in India is starting to implement a program that will take the Raspberry Pi and put it into school curriculums all across the state. And so I reached out to the state of Himachal Pradesh, which is where Kasali is located, to see if something similar could be done there. So I'm working towards that. At the same time, this summer, which will start for me in two weeks, um, I'm looking to compile all of the curriculum that I made into an ebook which I'm hoping to publish this summer so that other people can use the resources that I created to teach kids all across the world because I've gotten a lot of feedback um, through my Facebook page and through email um, from teachers and other students that are looking to do the same things. <laughs> I'm so blown away. This is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say to uh, girls out there that are, you know, have a hard time getting into computer science, not just because there's so many uh, boys in it, but just maybe they aren't really – like you weren't feeling it at first, how, what would you say to them to kind of overcome that and what, how to look for something they might be interested in within computer science? Well, so I actually just finished my senior project. So we have to do one. We have to write an essay that's like 15 pages long and give like a 15-minute presentation and a, and a speech um, for the end of our high school years. It's a culmination project, and I did mine on girls in computer science. Um, and I was researching like all the different things that, that people are saying why girls drop out of the field. And I found that the three big ones were stereotypes, aesthetics and environment, and the imposter syndrome. And so what I'd say to stereotypes is that they're just, just ignore them because they're just useless and not always true. And I'm taking AP computer science at my school right now. And girls are definitely a minority in the class, but like 
most of my friends this class are guys and they're not like shooing me out of the field and not telling me that I'm not good enough. Like that might've existed a few years ago, but the environment has gotten a lot more collaborative. And then my second thing for, for imposter syndrome, I would say really reach out to programs because reaching out to She++, and I also did Girls Who Code this past summer um, at VMware in Palo Alto. And so doing those programs kind of gave me a lot of confidence and gave me a lot of friends in the field. And so I got to meet like 60 or 70 girls that are interested in computer science. So even if you don't see those girls around you at school, like meeting them outside is awesome. Like I'm next year, I'm rooming with one of my friends from Girls Who Code because we got along so well because we have such similar interests in the field. And then for aesthetics and environment, I'd say just make the environment your own. Like, go talk to the professor, go talk to the teachers, go explore computer science on your own. Use online resources and manipulate computer science in the best way to to kind of fit your interests. Like, I was very interested in design and computer science, so I was able to take computer science and community service and design and kind of meld it into one thing that really appealed to me. And so don't just think that you have to just sit there and code games all day long. Um, you can do whatever you want with computer science. Just, like, be free. I saw recently that you uh, you went and spoke at the uh, the recent Pi Academies. Was this a message that you brought to them, or, or what was your talk there about? Um, so I, yeah, I spoke at the last two Pi Academies, and I talked to them about the project. And I had a couple teachers ask me um, if I could like Skype call into their classrooms um, to to talk to their students and talk to their girls to like kind of show the students that like stuff like this can be done. And so it was it was awesome because I was talking to. To educators and so they were and I was teaching and so it was just great for me to show like how I was teaching and how the experience was for me as a teacher that was kind of the angle I my presentation was on um and a lot of them asked me to reach out to them once the ebook is created in the summer so I will so that it can be used as a resource in places all across the country so if our listeners uh, want to find out more about you and your work, where's the best place for them to, to do that? So if they want to read about the project, um, I have a blog that's pi-a, which is an a-la-code.ghost.io. So basically pi-a-la-code.ghost.io. And if you want to contact me specifically, um, I have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Paola code or over email, which is sonia9upal at gmail.com. Okay, great. Yeah, well, I'll put some links in the show notes. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on and uh, thanks a lot for giving us your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I must admit, I really love talking to Sonia. I mean, the, the thing that got me was she's been doing this, helping other people a lot since she's been very young. And so... You know, she saw an opportunity to make a difference and just took it. And I think there's probably a lot of us that could do that. I mean, my personal little thing, I wanted to do computing in school. So I just approached my my kid's principal and said, hey, can I do this? I had no idea whether they'd say yes or no. But there's so many people out there that are looking for help in different ways and not just computing in other areas. If you've got skills that it's it's really worth your while just, you know, approaching somebody and say, hey, can I? Can I do something? It's it's the old volunteering, you know, an hour of your time is worth more than an hour of your time to somebody else. So you can make a real difference really with very little cost to yourself just by uh, getting involved. Yeah. And Sonia is one of those people who, instead of just thinking about it and talking about it, actually get stuff done. So that's uh, really admirable. I wish I could be more like that. 
but uh you know i always have these great ideas and then uh, <laughs> never see them through yeah so i think she's definitely one to watch and uh yeah we'll see we'll try and keep keep up and follow up and see how she gets on over the next few years and see what happens yeah yeah so with that then we're coming to the end of another pie podcast if you want to get in contact you can email show at the find us on twitter facebook youtube stitcher itunes or you can leave a comment on the website thanks for joining me albert and thanks to everyone for listening we'll see you again in two weeks with more raspberry pi news interviews and discussion take care see you later